Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Danielle Ikuye. Let's crack on and see who our two experts on today's show are. And here for the full hour, joining me via Skype is Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Hi, Claude. Welcome. Thank you for joining The Call. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. And... Rudy Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena. Good afternoon, Rudy. Thank you for joining me in the studio. This may seem like a strange question, but have we met? <laughs> you seem awfully familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, am, I am the dad that's in dad jokes. Uh, okay, that's the first joke of the day. Anyway, let's move on and check in with the first five stocks of the call this afternoon. A car sales, Energy One, Waypoint REIT, Vitura Health and a COSOL. But before we get there, let's look at the stock of the day, which is Fortescue Metals. And uh, Fortescue Metals Group now, another senior executive has left the iron ore giant just months into the job. Chief Financial Officer Christine Morris has resigned just days after CEO Fiona Hick announced she was leaving just six months after taking the top role. Morris was appointed to the key position in early June and according to the ASX announcement, will be immediately replaced by the company's Group Manager of Finance and Tax, Apple Padgett. Former Reserve Bank of Australia Deputy Governor Guy DeBell is also stepping down from Fortescue, opting to join aspiring vanadium miner T-Van. And let's check in with the share price. And uh, we can see it was down about 5% today. So Claude, let's check in with your views on Fortescue. Does this sort of really ring a bell about corporate governance and ESG mattering, having some significance in a stock? I think it's always significant, but it can can go both ways. Uh, It's it's not you know, necessarily always going to be a defining factor in, in terms of what, what the returns are long term. Uh, but I guess zooming in on uh, Andrew Forrest's in particular long term vision towards positioning himself on the right side of history regarding renewable energy and that kind of thing. I think from a long term point of view, it is the right approach. And you'd be crazy to uh, bet against uh, Mr. Forrest from the long term view. And in the, in fact, um, I did once bet against him and when the iron ore was crashing, but I do think that was a crazy move now and it's just as lucky I, uh, I got out of that bet before I lost any money because uh, long-term you do have a, a good sort of founder-run business. Of course, short-term, the setup is not looking so good. We have, I guess, as part of my process, um, if you had a cluster of leadership changes, that would be uh, just a sort of automatic red flag. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you automatically sell the business, um, that would just depend on a whole range of factors. But I think the reason I call it an automatic red red flag is because it forces me to, you know, acknowledge that when, even when that happens to a stock that I own and love, um, if, if there is a multiple exit of leadership, then that can be sometimes a sign that the, the short term is not going to be so fun for the company because people have a natural tendency if they, if they see the short term not being fun, uh, they, they might say, oh, well, you know, now's probably the good time to go, you know, this is my time, I'm going to move on. So that's a negative from my point of view. And then the other thing, which has nothing to do with uh, not being the company's fault in any way, is that I think a lot of the signs are telling us now that China is slowing down on its uh, construction of apartments and stuff. Now, again, I'm not saying long-term China crash or anything, you know, I'm sure they'll find something to build eventually. I just hope it's not warships. Uh, The point is that 
uh, one way or another, I do see a bit of a slowdown in demand probably for Fortescue in the short term. And for that reason, uh, I I would just on the short term point of view, I guess I'd be a sell. Uh, but long term, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I'd more be just this is an interesting stock. There might be the right time to own it again. Uh, that, so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with Fortescue. Fair enough. Rudy, what do you think? I was probably a little bit of a slightly different view, but I, I think in general terms, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, these governance things, they, they do matter, uh, and, and they usually don't matter until they do. But at the end of the day, uh, Fortescue is about iron ore, um, and, and that will ultimately define where, where, the, where the value lies for shareholders and where the direction of the share price will go. I do think that if you observe Fortescue from the sidelines, that the risk profile is, has steadily increased over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, management is is not always transparent in um, in its future plans, uh, including uh, with where, where the investments are going. Um, would, in line with what Claude said, you have to you have to say here that um, since China is arguably overproducing steel and Fortescue is producing a, a lower grade product in comparison to uh, BHP and Rio. The risks are higher. Mm-hmm. And if you get um, something like this, rumblings in the state of Denmark, I think it just adds to the to increasing uh, risk profile. So for me, and I'm not your typical investor in, in, in commodity stocks anyway, but for me, this would be uh, a hold at best, a cautious hold at best, but I would probably just be basically just for the reasons, because the risk profile for me would be too too much. I, I would I would not be in there in the first place. But if I were in the first place, if I, w- I were there, I would sell. Fair and, enough. And and go for more more benign risk profile because I think this is quite getting quite elevated. We, it's always difficult to exactly predict the price of iron ore. It has surprised to the upside so far, but I do think that the risks here are to the downside. At some point, would the higher risks become discounted in the share price? So you, in, in terms of if you're looking at the valuation ascribed to the stock, mm. you will it does have a cheaper valuation from memory anyway. But is there scope then for this valuation to come down in light of all this kerfuffle that's going on with management? That's a difficult one. Um, you have two things. The analysts and fund managers can decide we, we put a, a less of a premium or more of a discount on the share price. It still remains to be seen whether the share market listens to that. So that, mm-hmm. there's, that's no, there's no guarantees there. But in theory, you're probably correct. Um, but at the moment, I mean, I noticed in 2023, uh, the share price of Fortescue continues trading well above where analysts think it should be. Mm. And so the share market equally is not listening at this point in time. Fair enough. Let's get right on to our first stock of the day, which is car sales, ticker code C-A-R, picked by Mark. So Claude, car sales, quality company, I think it's up near record highs. Do you like it? Uh, yeah. So in terms of the blue chip stocks, this is one that I've always liked. And in fact, you know, I, I first you know, looked at it and bought it when it was in, in the $10 range. Unfortunately, didn't have the wisdom to hold on. Uh, so I'd like to think I've learned my lesson now and that I do think this is a long-term hold style business. I'd call it a, a blue chip growth stock. Now, the uh, the most recent results were very strong. I think probably they stand out for two reasons. Uh, one is, although REA Group is a better network effect business to own because the total cost of a house is so much higher, uh, car sales is probably a stronger network because so many more people there are so many more numbers of transactions in terms of how often people buy and sell cars versus houses. So the brand in Australia, the business, it's it's like a fortress uh, with a real competitive advantage that can persist for a long time. That's great. As it grows, it's the growth is becoming more capital intensive. They're using acquisitions, they're going overseas, that kind of thing. So I would be expecting that the, the best days as a growth stock are behind it now. So for that reason, I would I would probably call it a a hold after you know going into these results. I would say I'd probably call it uh, a, a well. I would have liked to think I'd call it a buy, but m- maybe now I'm not buying. You know, right now when the sentiment's strong, but definitely a hold, a long term hold, and a stock that I do like, and I, and I would buy. I may buy myself one day and and 
yeah, blue chip growth stock, more a father-in-law stock than one I'd own myself as it's so large already. Fair enough. Rudy, long-term compounder. I like, uh, I like uh, Claude's father-in-law in the first place. Um, <laughs> I hope that in the line of Claude's experience that more investors by now are catching up on the fact that uh, value is not necessarily concentrated in uh, stock start trading on low PEs. Um, car sales is part of that group that always trades on higher PEs. I mean, think about uh, Wystack Global, Altium, uh, REA Group, uh, Wystack, I just mentioned them as well, um, the CSLs, the ResMeds, uh, you name them. I, I regard car sales as one of those um, silent achievers because it, if, you, if you look at that basket of stocks, uh, people hardly ever talk about car sales in comparison to even the Sikhs of this world. Now, I'm a little bit different from Claude. I, I am a very long-term shareholder, many, many years. Um, the lesson I, I want to point out here as well is that there have been times over that period when car sales share price did not contribute much to the portfolio I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, managing. Um, but there was never a reason for me to sell it mm. because I look at the business, I look at the market positioning, and you just trust that as long as that underlying trend is okay, the share price will over time will take care of itself. So high PE, great value, it's now an all-time high, which um, uh, shows you that, um, I mean, how good it has been uh, to own these shares. Where I disagree with Claude is that I don't think the, these guys are ex-growth at all. I think the profile is now changing. And it's now changing towards Brazil, Korea, and the United States. Um, and that acquisition, what, what, what August, what the August results brought to, to, the, to the fore is that the acquisition they did in the United States, which is a little bit out of their core comp competency, uh, and the market was probably rightfully so uh, very um, apprehensive in giving them the benefit of the doubt, because it's not just about cars now anymore, and also it's, it's, it's a foreign market. Um, they're doing really, really well. Mm. And, and that obviously spurs on uh, the extra growth driver and we get an all-time high. So the, while the, 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 the profile is changing, it now becomes more of an international uh, assessment. So you have to be careful now about things what happening in, in Asia and Latin America and stuff like that. But still an enormously strong position in Australia. Um, I mean, yes, REA Group is regarded as, as the higher quality stocks and housing is easier and stronger in a property mm. uh, oriented market as Australia. But hey, second, second hand cars, it still works very well. Um, I wouldn't chase it here because it has, it has made such a big run. Um, if you own it, um, you might as well follow my example. You don't sell it. I, I, I subscribe for extra shares in the capital raising early in the year. Done really, really well out of it. Um, so you hold here, I think. And if you're still not on board, uh, you probably want to have a little bit of a margin of safety. It's the market. It's September. Uh, at some point, uh, just like with every share price, it'll come down. Pick your level. Bottom, bottom drawer stock, I would say. Fantastic. Okay, our second stock is Energy One, ticker code EOL, picked by Raj. So we're looking at software, quite a small stock, Claude. So 168 million market cap when I checked. Uh, is this one that uh, floats your boat? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was so it's so reassuring to hear uh, Rudy's view on car sales, which I think is wise. This is at the other end of the risk. Uh, spectrum though it's a it's not blue chip growth it's small cap growth absolutely and i own shares in this one you can see there's been a lot going on and the share price is up 100 percent ish since uh june and so i wanted to give a massive shout out to gaurav who was on this show the call and he was asked about uh energy one in june when it was at those lows you know was he worried by the falling share price and he laid out the case oh this is just a beautiful long-term story uh he still liked it it's up 100 percent since then because it's received a takeover offer because other people can see that value too now what is the value i'm talking about well i own shares in this one i still it's my largest position and the reason is because uh it's a sticky software company it's business to business energy trading software very difficult for the customers to leave uh it has operations in um australia and over in europe so it's a global business already it's scaling up. They've said in the most recent uh, 
annual report that there's they're they're hopeful of getting a new like sort of very large con con contract in Europe which would be a big deal for the company for two reasons. First of all, because it would be material in terms of profit and revenue. This is a profitable company, by the way, not unprofitable. It makes profits. Uh, and that is important to get its you know, revenue and profits up, but it's way more important as a bit of a proof case. And it sort of really reminds me, like, you know, when I bought ProMedica's shares, it was, it was $86 million market cap. They win their first big contract. Yeah, the share price goes up 100%, but that's just the start. You know, that's the... The first big contract, other big contracts come and they're easier after you've won a few because everyone's scared to be the first really big guy to move on to your software. So the setup is just brilliant. All this for, for less than four times ARR as well. And the only concern at the moment is that some, but not all of the board are supporting this takeover at uh, you know around $5.85. And so as a shareholder myself, I will not be supporting a takeover at $5.85. I definitely believe that due to all of the high prospects of this company, if I don't even want it to be a takeover, I want this was supposed to be my like next Prometicus that mm. makes me a ton of money for over 10 years. But if I do have to sell it in a takeover, I definitely want higher than 585. I would be asking closer to $10. Maybe you could bargain me down to eight, but not $5.85. It's too low. Fair enough. So definitely holding it. Would you be game I definitely, enough? I to buy it? Yeah, I think it's still undervalued. Like if, you, if you're if you a short-termer, you want to sell, right? Yeah. If you saw Gaurav say this is a buy at $2.80, you bought it for a short-term trade, you're up 100%, fair enough, well done, brilliant trade. I, I think it makes sense to sell. But if you're a long-termer on this stock who actually believes in the long-term opportunity set, show me another company that's software, so high margin potential, and renewable energy tailwind, which yeah. is what these guys have got. So that's why I want it long-term. And if you're a long-termer, then it, it can still be a buy now. It's it's less than four times ARR. But the point is that if the takeover does get rejected and there's nobody else and, and the price doesn't go up, then the, then the share price may fall again in the short term. That could happen. But will it get to as low as June? No, I don't think so, because I think there were people that were panicking and, and tax loss selling in June. And I don't think it's going to go that low again. Okay, fair enough. Rudy? Claude, um, has the board officially responded to that uh, offer? So yes, and it's a really interesting situation, Rudy. So um, the the largest chairman and and the CEO are both, and also sorry, the largest shareholder, the chairman who who's not the largest shareholder, but is very you know influential, and he's been a lot. They're all long serving, and the long serving CEO have all said they're going to support it. However, uh, Mr. Busby, who I would sort of count as basically in some ways the founder, he is I think the second largest shareholder, and he's saying no, and he owns around 14% of the stock, or he does not saying no, he's not supporting is what he said. Mm. He's not saying he's agreed to it. So if he votes against it, that's around 15% right there. I've talked to a bunch of um, other shareholders and it seems to me like it's quite possible that you'll get to that 25% who are saying, no, we would not agree at that price. But even though respectfully, it's fair enough that, that some members of the board do think it's a good price. I'm sure they just felt bad the share price was down under $3 there. And they're trying to do the right thing by shareholders and realize value when they're getting an offer that's much higher. Mm. Yeah, no, the first thing that came to my mind is, uh, this is two decades ago, but uh, uh, E-Trade Australia was listed mm. and a uh, similar position, like obviously take over a bit and, and there were a few shareholders that thought, oh, we need to get double. And obviously <laughs> <laughs> it's not about what you think it is. If enough shareholders say like, we'll take it, then I mean, you can, you can say anything you want. I mean. yeah. Um, I mean, I have very little to say about this company. For me, it's, it's too small. I, can, I, I, I admire uh, the research done by Claude and the conviction, but um, uh, if, if, the, if, the share, if enough shareholders accept it, it, the story is over anyway. Um, so Fair enough. It is what it is. Okay. Let's crack on to the third stock, Waypoint REIT, ticker code WPR. Picked by a Colin. So very different stock here, Claude. Is this one that you like? Uh, look, I'm definitely keen to hear Rudy's updated view on it because uh, I, I think I recall correctly that he has liked it in the past. For me now, um, I think it's definitely one of my preferred REITs. As you can imagine, minimal interest in investing in REITs uh, personally. Uh, now, this one's forecast to be roughly flat. You know, it's got a lot of the service stations. So I do think it's way better than an office building or something like that. 
Uh, definitely the forecast are it to be pretty flat, maintaining itself. I think that's totally realistic. Uh, that's I wouldn't be too worried about this one. If I had to invest in a real estate investment trust, I would probably go with you know potentially this. But that said, it's not for me at all. A 6.5% unfranked dividend, my bank account's paying 4.5%. So I'm pay- I would be taking on a lot of extra risk for just 2% extra per year yield. So for that reason, uh, definitely not for me. And I'd, I would unfortunately have to say personally, for me as an investor at the sell, other people have m- may quite legitimately have a different view for good reasons. Fair enough, Rudy. Claude has a good memory. I did own this one uh, <laughs> at some stage. And for memory, uh, that was uh, at a similar price level as today. So you could see on the price chart we showed earlier, it hasn't gone anywhere. I don't think it's it's going to go anywhere in a, in a hurry. Um, it, it does offer less risk, but it also offers not much in terms of growth. Mm. Um, these guys are rationalizing the network. They are uh, selling off um, some of the locations that not no longer considered uh, core. Um, high yield, but no franking. For a lot of people, that, that makes a difference. Um, the one thing they have going for themselves is that they are undervalued here. Mm-hmm. And that's because the with an occasional exception, all the REITs in Australia are undervalued. Mm. Um, probably something along the lines of 10-20%. Um, so why you, would, why you could own it here is that the, the dividends, the, the distribution looks quite uh, solid. And at some point, bond yields uh, considering, at some point that valuation discount will disappear. And then you have a you have a nice bonus on top of, uh, of 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 the distribution, but otherwise not very exciting. Uh, there's there's not much happening un- unless well unless they somehow change their strategy. But I, yes, I guess it begs the question because we've been talking a lot about rates this week. It's mm. definitely a sector that's in focus at the moment because for they're all undervalued. Exactly. Yes. So if you if you had to look at a rate, yeah. Um, it sounds like this wouldn't be the top of the pops in terms of if you were to go bottom fishing or taking a counter-cyclical sort of position. No, and uh, well, if you want to go counter-cyclical, you probably have to go for, for, for REITs that are very much exposed to retail, mm. I would think, and then count basically taking a leap beyond the slowdown. Um, otherwise, you have, you, ha- you have a series of yields or, of REITs that give you exposure to industrial assets, for example, uh, childcare centers. Uh, storage. We just had a, uh, the spin-off from Abacus, mm. uh, very, very popular for that reason. And uh, th- those are mega trends. Yeah? Think about uh, Goodman Corp. So there is a whole diversity in, 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 in REITs available. Um, I personally own um, HM, HMD, I think it is, uh, Daily Needs mm-hmm. of, of Home, home Co. Uh, that has positively re-rated uh, this month. So I've done quite well out of that on top of the distribution. Um, but that also doesn't offer that much for the time being in, in terms of growth. And that is roughly taken the, the problem for this sector because most of them have, have uh, higher costs, steady uh, revenue and, and, and debt to that becomes more costly. Mm. Um, and the result of all of that is, is little to no growth. So you really have to bank on the, the steadiness of the payout and the, and the discount that has to at some stage has to has to mm. come back. Mm. Fair enough. Okay, let's go to our fourth stock, which is Vitura Health ticker code VIT, picked by Rick. So Claude, do you like Vitura? Not o- not overly, but I like to hear I like to hear Rudy's uh, presumably condemnation of it. Let's see though. Um, <laughs> Look, this is a super fascinating one. A friend of mine who's a fund manager described this recently as a conundrum. Uh, Vitura Health uh, is actually one of the strangest little stocks on the stock market, in my opinion. Uh, It actually is in the business of medical marijuana. And they uh, have a few different uh, irons in the fire there. I guess the main part of it is they are keen to uh, have a platform whereby uh, prescribers, etc., can... Uh, you know, basically manage the dispensing of marijuana. So a doctor can use the platform um, to set up a patient and then they order some medical marijuana and then it goes to the pharmacy and the patient picks it up from the pharmacy. So 
they don't want to get in that workflow, which I think is a really cool positioning. And that's obviously very fascinating. On top of that, they're profitable, pay dividend. Their revenue growth was extremely strong. The catch, the catch, there are quite a few catches on this one. Um, they've, they've had a big board stout. Uh, there was even uh, a former uh, well, former investor, I think, who wrote a letter. I can't remember the exact wording, but he was basically being like, yeah, now's a good time to sell. Those guys have been selling shares. So quite a, quite a bit of a, uh, you could say, a, a governance red flag situation there. On top of that, I'd say the other major concern that I would have, and, and this is definitely the bigger one, is their revenue growth was super fast, and then it's just stopped. It's almost gone to like very low. So in the last half, so the last year, the revenue growth's great, but it was just, you know, the first half is where you saw that growth. Um, and now the second half's pretty, pretty flat. So it's extremely strange to see a growth just flat lying like that. And so overall, because of all those reasons, I, they wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, manage to pass my sort of uh, quality checks for me to allow, allow it into my uh, long-term portfolio. I could definitely, you know, and have made the case for it to be a, a short-term trade before. And, I still find it fascinating. Like I say, it's a conundrum, um, but but not not one that I'm that I want to play in now, just because that revenue growth in the, in the second half was a bit, I guess, not not as well explained as I'd hoped. I had hoped that they would explain the slowdown better, and that could totally change my view on the stock if I understood that better. But as I do not understand really the drivers as how that slowed down so quickly, it's, it's an avoid for me. Fair enough. Um, I believe the US is going to free up again in, in some states, um, you know, legalise cannabis more. Those stocks have been running. But anyway, this is a different story, Rudy. I also believe these guys are moving into pets. Pets? Yes. They're going to drug their pets with cannabis? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they do. I'm not so sure about pets, but they definitely have like a, a they have a psychedelic angle as well that yeah. I didn't mention. Yes. Um, so there. Well, we, we definitely won't be giving our exactly. cat any psychedelics. And I, and I, and I don't know what Claude was referring to, but I lived 11 years in Amsterdam. Um, for me, it's too small. It's uh, that that market is too undeveloped. Uh, there's too many um, uncertainties, and and at some stage, if it be. I mean, the early movers always claim they have an advantage, but um, uh, as we also know from other emerging sectors, once it becomes really, really interesting, the big money moves in. Yeah. And then you still have to see whether the, the smaller guys really have that true advantage. Um, but anyway, I mean, maybe they become successful. My experience is you don't have to be there on day one. You can, okay. you can bide your time. Claude's experience, um, uh, ProMedicus, uh, in comparison, I think I, I came on board much later than Claude, and I did really, really well out mm. of it. Same mm. with Zero, mm. uh, same with car sales, I should, mm. I should add. Mm. Right? Um, so you don't have to be there. If, it's, if this becomes a long-term growth story, you'll have your time on your side. Okay, fair enough. Uh, fifth stock is a COSOL, ticker code COS, picked by a Brett. So again, quite a small company, Claude. Market cap of around $138 million. Um, yeah, IT slash enterprise software, not too sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, it is a bit of a, a slash company because it's really IT consultant, you would probably say first and foremost. But what makes these guys a little bit interesting is that they do have uh, beyond just the IT consultant part of their business, they've got some bits of like proprietary software. They're, they're kind of software that rem from, member, uh, from memory sits on top of other software. So it's like, it might be to do with transitioning people to a high touchy product or whatever. It's all super niche. It's about asset management, largely infrastructure management, um, which is uh, obviously good for an IT company that sort of, I think, started out of Perth. So they've got a lot of the mining companies over in WA, which is no doubt how they got their start in that space. Um, is it a super high quality software business? No, this is more of a business. It's um, net profit after tax margins are uh, a little bit, over 10%, I think, in the last year. And that implies that they're a decent quality business, but they're not a super high quality business. Uh, again, just one of those IT consultant kind of things. Now, the pricing is not too bad. Um, I would say probably the one thing, you know, P ratio of around 16 at the moment, so pretty reasonable. And then the other thing you just have to consider really the main negative in the most recent results, I'd say, is that cash flow just wasn't, you want that cash conversion just wasn't where you, you would probably want to see it. Uh, that's partly just, you know, 
a limiting factor because these guys have been growing with acquisition. So um, if once the cash does become weaker, that that dries up the growth. And I think, you know, at the end of the financial year, only five four point five million in cash on, on the balance sheet. So even though they're profitable, et cetera, it will, wouldn't surprise me to see growth slow down from here. So I guess I'd probably call it a hold at the moment. Okay, a they, hold. They have debt as well. So yeah, that's why I'm saying, yeah, they, they may not have too much more ability to grow now. It might be slowing down from that perspective, but let's see next half. Ready. Too small. And uh, to my um, surprise as well, I had a quick look at the share price volumes and they can be really low. Mm. Uh, the lobster pot uh, tends to come to mind. Um, otherwise, people really have to realize <coughs> that there's always that <coughs> that idea that a small company is, is can can so much quicker. Um, I know double in value, but it also works the other way. <laughs> I mean, like small accidents can create really big falls in share prices of very small companies. And as a matter of fact, as I always tend to say, there's no guarantee that a smaller company actually becomes a middle-sized company. As a matter of fact, 80% doesn't, yeah. never. So you can might as well wait until they become bigger and, and give you more insight, um, because I don't think they've been listed for very long either. Fair enough. <clears throat> Do you think too many investors are really hoping to get, you know, the next ProMedicus on board? And yes, it, it, it... And, and, and having been in this, in this market for more than two decades, the number of times that I've seen articles and predictions, the next CSL, the next Westmed, the next Cochlear, two decades later, there's none. None has proven to be the next. And I'm really, uh, already, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I'm willing to bet there's no next Prometicus. Yeah? Mm. You might as well stay with your original. <laughs> Fair enough. There's some uh, wise words there from Rudy. Let's sum up for the stock of the day, which is Fortescue currently undergoing some challenges, to say the least, in terms of top level management turnover. Both our guests make some really good points about governance and issues around that. At the end of the day, it is very much an iron ore producer at this point in time, of course. Twiggy is trying to set up his green hydrogen business, which looks to be causing some concerns internally. So short term, potentially negative, all these changes on board. But if you want to own this stock, it's because you're looking for exposure to iron ore. Just bear in mind that both of our guests, Rudy and Claude, just citing the fact that you are seeing an overproduction of steel in China. You've got problems, a heavily indebted property market there. So cautious at best, um, really for both of them, it's more a sell. Um, although Rudy did make the point that it's a cautious hold and just bear in mind that the valuation of the stock may, may start to reflect this concerns at the top, but uh, has not today. Now let's move on to the first five stocks of the day and give a quick summary. Uh, car sales, top quality, blue chip, kind of long-term hold for both of our guests. Uh, Claude questioning whether or not they continue to grow as much as they have. So it, let's say it's a quality, you know, more mature growth company, but because they're having to make acquisitions, Claude is just a bit concerned that it's becoming more capital intensive to expand the company. Rudy takes a slightly different view, saying the company has very much changed the profile, moving offshore with expansion into Brazil, the United States, as well as Korea, which has provided growth opportunities, but of course could potentially have some risk. Uh, hold on from both of our guests, don't particularly from Rudy, don't chase it at these levels. You will have your opportunity to move on to this one. Moving to our next stock, Energy One. Looks like a really special situation. Um, Claude has owned this for a long while. Uh, shout out to Gaurav if he's watching for picking this one when it bottomed out. There is a takeover offer on the table at the moment at 585 and it's pretty much trading around those levels. So for Claude, he feels it's terribly undervalued and that, that you shouldn't get um, uh, shareholder approval to go forward with this one. And it looks like there's a bit of a debate going on in the board room on that specific topic. So if you did get on board when it was sold off in June, you could take profits now. But for Claude, it's definitely a hold. For Rudy, it's a different special situation. Too small, wouldn't go there. So Waypoint REIT, 
Um, currently, it is a sell for Claude. Um, it just makes Claude makes the point with a six percent yield. Feels there's too much risk to go in and buy this REIT. He can get four four and a half percent on a cash management account. And for Rudy, just making the point, they are making some uh, asset sales divestments, but there's not a lot of growth in this particular REIT. Uh, so Rudy, a hold on that one. Yeah, a hold on that one. Oh, you can actually you can actually buy it if you if you if you think six percent plus the bonus of the of the valuation assess reassessment at some point. Okay, it'll happen. There we go. A buy. Okay, now looking at uh, it's not Meridian Energy. It should be Vertura Health, according to my uh, document, which we did discuss. So we're looking at a small cap. Uh, cannabis stock, which seems to be diversifying. Um, so basically, you know, neither guest is particularly upbeat on this one, and it probably would not be one that they would be looking to hold. And uh, Cosol, again, a smaller cap company. We're looking proprietary software in the mining space, come out of WA, um, not particularly high, uh, high quality. It does have some cash on the balance sheet, but it's also got quite a bit of debt. And and the growth seems to be slowing. So a hold from Claude and really Rudy just cites you do have the potential for, well, a lobster pot situation. And uh, Rudy's point with some of these small caps is you don't have to be one of the first, second, neither third shareholders on board if they're going to be a quality company and turn into the next zero. Time is on your side. Okay, now the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Going into August, index was replaced by AUB. The committee spent cash 1% to seek Altium and Prometicus. Now let's check in and see how the portfolio is performing. And so far the fund is 9.79% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Let's preview the next five uh, stocks today. ResMed, Australian Ethical Investment, AMA, PR, PWR and Codan. So Rudy, let's start with ResMed and you because, well, dare we say, we've been talking it about this one somewhere on, else. It's on falling every <laughs> single day. Um, I think it's important for people to, to understand what is happening here. And, and I've, I've now experienced it a number of times. Um, every once in a while, uh, you get you get uh, people in the share market who like to go short on stocks, and they either issue a report or they just target a particular company. We've we've seen this over the years. I, I personally have shares in Mcor in, uh, in 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 Technology One. Um, they, they 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 both have been um, uh, targeted. I remember I'm st I'm a shareholder in in, in Tech, by the way. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was in particularly uh, targeted on social media by, by shorters because I was pretty much in favor of Wisetech Global and, and those shorters would assure everyone the share price would go to zero. Um, a few years down the track, of course, they've gone very silent and they've, they've licked their wounds and they've taken their losses and Wisetech is closer to $100 than to zero. Um, long, start, long, long, long story told in, in a short version, those shorters are more wrong than right in the longer term, because I could easily add rural funds, Seek, uh, Macquarie, even Fortescue, they've all been shorted at some point, and ultimately the share price ends up higher. However, in the short term, it always depresses the share price and it forces people to make a decision. Am I hanging on? to a share price that can potentially go much lower uh, in the short term, or am I just going to stick to the point that this, this company, nothing wrong with the company and it will prove right. The one example that comes to mind is Quintus, Sandalwood, uh, the shorters were absolutely correct, company went bankrupt, bravo. In most other cases, they, they basically are right in the, in the short end and wrong in the long end. Uh, it's annoying. I've bought extra shares in, in ResMed and it just keeps on falling. What do you do? In my case, um, I take the examples of Seek, of Wisetech, of Technology One. 
Uh, I take a longer term view. I, I believe the share price is undervalued here. Um, if anyone wants to know the case for being short here, uh, it's because we, the world is going crazy because of a new class of uh, anti-obesity drugs. Um, Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk, um, they obviously the machines are running, they are churning them out and everyone is prescribing them and everyone goes berserk. Um, in 10 years time we'll know all about the, the, the side effects and whether it works or not. But there's also this misconception that, um, that the, the, the CPAP machines from ResMed are 100% linked to, to obesity, which is a complete misconception. But you can't argue with the crowd, mm. and 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 this it's, this essentially is what's happening. So um, I do not know what the exact timing will be, when it will uh, resolve itself. Just like I didn't know with uh, Ystack or or Technology One, but ultimately it has, and I believe ultimately it will with Westmed as well. Fair enough. And I must give a shout out to Ray who did pick this, and Ray said. I'm a long-term five-plus years investor in ResMed but got blindsided from the recent results as the prices dropped somewhat. Is this a good time to add more or keep away for now? So I think Rudy went a, a long way to answering that question. Claude, what would you add? Well, yeah, quite right. So I'll, I won't repeat uh, the ground that Rudy's all, already covered. I'll just add on to what he, he said. Look, Obviously, this is a large cap, not usually where I play, but I want to draw people's attention to the fact to some hard numbers to back up what Rudy was saying there, right? So since May, probably in response to this Azempic thing, uh, the amount of shares sold short on ResMed has roughly put, uh, has roughly um, five x or, you know, it's gone up four more times. So it went from half percent to, to almost 2.5 cents, but it went up to 2%. So, you know, 4x actually. And the point is that that's quite a big increase that's happened steadily over July. Now, it is my view, you know, it's kind of one of those things, the reason that I don't always go for these bigger ones is that sometimes, it, you know, size makes it harder to grow, et cetera, et cetera. It has a P ratio. They're the typical things I'd say against you, against, you know, ResMed on this. But what I think is interesting now is it has just kept falling. I think it's going to start finding uh, valuation support somewhere maybe quite soon. And on top of that, I do certainly think that this Ozempic thing is um, overblown. You know, so what's happened on markets is, you know, this new blockbuster drug has come out that, that gives people, like, makes them gaunt and they can lose weight really quickly. They have to keep taking that drug. Now, I remind you, you know, not that long ago, America went absolutely nuts for, um, you know, what is it, oxycodone, basically heroin in pill form. And it's done enormous da um, damage to the country. And it seems like, you know, this is now there's this mania over uh, Azempic. But, um, you know, from what I'm finding when I read about it is that essentially, like, here's a quote. When you take the nausea, constipation, diarrhea and other possible issues into account, um, Azempic isn't the panacea it's made out to be. Multiple women that this journalist spoke to um, experienced uh, vomiting and uh, another had heart rate spikes. It doesn't sound like it's that great to me. And obviously, it's probably going to be better for you if you uh, lose lose weight the natural way. So, and also, like, what's the ongoing cost of this? Because it's well publicized. If you stop taking it, you put the weight back on. And so, but basically, what people are saying is, you know, oh, okay, everyone's going to get thin. Well, also, I think that there was a similar kind of argument when gastric band surgery started to come in. So, and I don't, and obviously, as Rudy would point out, it, you know, ResMed's done great since then. And the other thing is, it's not. Sleep apnea is not just about people being overweight. It's also just the natural aging population. I would say that's a bigger factor, in fact. Um, I'm not a doctor, of course. So for all these reasons, I would happily take the other side of the, you know, exemplic panic and agree yeah. with Rudy. Okay. So with that, then you'd buy it, Claude? Or you just wait to see how it went once it sort of stabilises a bit? Uh, look, I guess you could wait and, and try and be, uh, you know, I... Personally, I guess I'd be waiting for the, the, the share price to sort of flatten a little bit and then look at it there okay. uh, buying. But I do think it still could be a buy right now. Um, yeah. But I just would point out that my thesis on it is more just a short term thing. Like I think the current panic's overdone yeah. is the main is the main thing. Absolutely. OK, let's crack on. And the seventh stock is Australian Ethical, ticker code AEF, picked by Richard Rudy. Two problems. I, th I know that if my memory serves me correctly, Claude is a big fan. 
So let, let's start on the other side of the ledger. I think two problems. Uh, one is that the, the practice of, of ethical investing is, is becoming more and more blurred and, and it's, it's attracting more and more criticism. Um, also because, let's face it, um, we, can all, we, can, we, all, we can all go very ethical as human beings, but uh, try to get 100% ethical investments in the share market. I mean, that's simply not how it works. Um, I mean, the obvious criticism would be that, um, and that's not necessarily uh, directly uh, directed at Australian ethical, but there are ethical investors out there who happen to own, for example, uh, a BHP or a Blue Scope because they make initial steps towards uh, green steel, uh, whether that's enough or not. You know what I mean? uh, some of them, uh, as, as is publicized, own Santos, you know what I mean? mm -hmm. uh, the devil in disguise. Um, Australian Ethical, for example, uh, had a little bit of, uh, of, of bad press because they owned shares in Lendlease, which I would argue was probably more inspired by the fact that the share price hasn't done anything for years than by the fact that they are so ethical because uh, you don't want to be koala in, uh, in Lendlease territory. Um, the other problem I have with Australian Ethical is that they essentially are over-earning by charging above average fees. Mm. And um, that's nice because um, investors like to do the right thing and so they put their money in an ethical fund and for the time being that um, keeps them on the way to heaven. Um, but ultimately I think that's going to bite. I mean, yeah. At some point, in particular when you go through prolonged periods when the share market doesn't really have high returns, um, the investors it makes a big difference, mm. low fees or no fees or high fees. And they are in the high fee camp. And that's uh, definitely a big tick of no. So a sell? Yeah, no, I wouldn't be there in the first place. Right? Um, I think people can, can make their own ethical decisions. Fair um, enough. And, and there are better fund managers out there as well. Okay. Claude, where are you sitting on uh, Australian ethical at the moment? Well, I think that uh, Rudy makes all good points. Uh, but I don't think that they actually, they don't, I don't think they really kill the thesis for Australian ethical that, that I have in my mind. Now, having said that, I don't own it myself. Uh, I do think, you know, the, the P ratio has gotten pretty high for this one. So I, I just think it, it's priced for a lot of success. But I do actually think it, it is, you, it's definitely not to my mind, probably a sell. I think it is a, a good long-term hold of a small cap, even though it is quite expensive. And Look, I guess starting off with the price at, at 490 million market cap and I think an underlying profit, which is pretty fair, of about uh, 11 million. It's on about 44, 45 times earnings. So that's pretty expensive, especially for a fund manager. Mm. You've got others that aren't doing so well that are on, you know, much lower PE ratios. Mm. However, these guys are doing really well, despite the points really made. So let's take Lendlease, for example. Um, you know, if they had listened to uh, you, Danny, and, and sold that when you were saying it was a sell, <laughs> that would have been better for the members that are invested in a AEF. Um, and actually, I still have a legacy super account with them as well. So that money, they would have actually got more money if they sold Lendlease back then. But the thing is, none of their members actually know that. All their members, not, not none, but the majority of what their members now know about the Lendlease saga, even though they were so slow to sell it, and they should have done it sooner, all the members know about is when AEF um, actually publicizes yeah. that we have now sold our Lend Lease. And so the majority of the impact on the actual membership base is like, yeah, go Australian Ethical. And hey, like, I'm not saying they don't deserve praise for finally doing the right thing there either. So I think that's what you've got to remember is it's about brand. And Rudy's absolutely right. You know, they are higher fee than some other options out there, but they do consistently take that fee down as well. So you've got to think about how does this impact their customers psychologically. Although they are high fee, every year basically their customers get a letter or email saying, hey, we've reduced our fees again. Yeah. So as a, a customer myself, obviously most of my super is no longer with them. I, But the point is, uh, you know, SMSF now, but the, the point is that um, I can say as a customer, these guys have a fantastic brand. And that's the thing is, They've gotten a lot of people like me when I was 18, 19, mm -hmm. and a lot of young millennials uh, and Gen X as well, to be fair. And they're, and, the, okay. and they're going well with the, the Gen Z as well. So that means the people are adding into their superannuation for an extra long time and not taking it out, which gives them a bit of a tailwind in terms of getting that growth. Okay. So for that reason, it would be my third 
fund manager, although I don't own any fund managers. Fair enough, Claude. What a great explanation. Okay, we better crack on. And our eighth stock is AMA, ticker code AMA, picked by Chris. And Chris said the business has clearly had its challenges over recent times, though their full year 23 results look encouraging, with positive operating cash flow for the second half of the year. Could this be a turnaround story, Rudy? Oh, yeah, could be, <laughs> yeah. could be, could be. I mean, they I let mean, the dogs out. <laughs> exactly. I mean, could be. I mean, can I change into my uncle tomorrow? It, it's possible, right? <laughs> um, it's a dog. I mean, it's absolutely a dog. Uh, and the reason why I can say that is uh, because I've been following this company quite for quite a while. Because the, the 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 discussion was always that if you're a panel beater, which these guys are and you get your regular contracts from insurance companies, which these guys do get, um, how long can you go? Well, uh, look at the, the results over the past three, four years. Um, these guys also have built up a, a massive amount of debt, mm. which essentially is the problem. Now, they have been reducing the debt, uh, and <laughs> they will need to. Um, part of the reason why the share price is as low as it is, is the market is obviously taking into account that they could potentially go out of business. That's why the share price is where it is. It's really, really low. So um, essentially, if you're a true value investor with a high appetite for risk, yes, this could be one that you have in your portfolio. And if it at some point goes out of business, you don't care because you know that's the risk. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the, the famous Warren Buffett quote, most turnaround stories never really actually turn around. Now, having said so, if, if they somehow they do turn it around concisely, reduce the debt, get, more, get to a, a, a profitable position, then the share price, of course, can, they, it can go multiples. But between that scenario and where they are today, it's a big leap. I mean, and for me, it's really too much risk. I mean, I don't like to own businesses that can go out of business at some point. No. I mean, I like them to when they grow consistently at 10, 15 percent. Yeah. So, so for me, it's absolutely not. And you have to be aware of the risks. Okay. Claude. Oh, yeah. When I, uh, when I look at the numbers of this one, I see more red flags than a, a communist military parade. <laughs> uh, it is um, definite no-no. It's actually suspended from uh, the stock exchange right now for failing to put out its uh, annual report oh. uh, numbers. So when it comes back on, assuming it does, um, I would be selling it. I think it needs to get recapitalized. And I think for the everyday investor, you want to be coming in, if you, even if you want to do crazy turnaround stuff. And history repeats. This happened to these guys like uh, a bit more than 10 years ago now. They almost died, got recapitalized. Um, it's definitely the wrong like i would be out yeah i would have yeah. been out ages ago but i'd still be out and wait till it's recapitalized before you have a look around fair enough uh we're going to stay in the automotive sector and our ninth stock is pr pwr holdings pwh picked by ella car dealerships yeah well this is a good one um we, we also have a company PWR as oh, well so it gets confusing this is, Com this is gets the cooling one yes guess this is the this is the cooling one yeah um, I'm sorry it's don't, one don't of me oops it's one of the no no it's it's okay it's um uh it's it's one of those small cap companies that are actually quite highly regarded um and they are um going into the uh, defense industry um I personally had a quick look uh, again, for me, I think if they are if they prove to be successful, investors will have time on their on their side. So we don't have to be in there right now. Uh, on pure valuation metrics, they don't look cheap here, and I'm assuming that that's because the market got a little bit excited again here and is pricing in maybe more of what is yet to come. So just to give investors, because I can I can see it. I mean, this this company actually gets thrown quite some accolades from from small cap investors and from small cap analysts um, who suspect this this could become one of those success stories uh, for years to come but to give yourself a little bit of a margin of safety for investors i would say uh, just bite your time if you want to own this one and i mean we're in september um, we are going to get some volatility uh, in particular small cap stocks at some point uh, can get very volatile again you just bide your time, I think, and, and you wait for uh, lower levels that give you more of a, of a safety uh, 
spilled in. Fair enough. And uh, Claude? Oh, yeah, I think this is a, this is a high-quality one. Um, I've owned it in the past. I'd like to own it again. It has net profit margins around 18%. Uh, which is pretty awesome. It shows their advanced manufacturing. They're, you know, probably the best at what they do or close to it. Um, you know, they do, they have the biggest clients like Formula F1. They're moving, expanding, growing now into uh, defense and aerospace. This is really skilled manufacturing in Australia. Uh, you can still got a founder leading it up. It just ticks all the boxes for me. Kind of don't know why it's not in my portfolio in some ways. I think it's just a matter of, you know, it's sitting there at 850. I'm like, oh, come on, it's got to be a bit cheaper than this. And then the share price bumps up again. Uh, so I definitely one that I like. I probably wouldn't be able to call it a buy just because I haven't pulled the trigger myself. But I, I really like it, and it call it a hold. And okay. I wouldn't be surprised if one day I can capitulate. Fair enough. Buy. Okay, and the last stock, code and ticker code CDA, picked by a Bob, Rudy. Yeah, if you, if you ever want wonder what what these what these people are doing around the oh, coast, <laughs> finding uh, finding coins under the sand and stuff like that, that's uh, the company is convinced they make the world's best best machine for that. Um, it's it, it's if you look at the past of this company, because it essentially is it's, it's a relatively small company. It's quite unique. Um, I mean, it had to stave off um, theft and and, and 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 replication from China. Um, to me, it's 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 Africa. That's uh, the main the main customers are in Africa. Um, so for me, it's uh, it's 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 a no. But I do know that some people get really excited about it. Um, I, I I no, it's too small as well for me. Claude, uh, sorry, we've got a minute. How do you still like? I, I agree with Rudy. I agree with Rudy. The African side of it, um, which is very unpredictable, sometimes a coup gets in the way of sales. Uh, it's very hard to predict, and, and that's probably why I'd avoid it. They are, I would just add, investing more in their digital communication segment, which is now around fifty percent. So that's why it, that's an argument for it. Um, you could argue it's gradually improving the quality of its business. So for that reason, um, whilst I'm not high conviction on it, I probably would call it a hold. It's not one I've played well myself in the past, though. So I, I'd probably just be clear of it. Fantastic. Okay, let's move on and summarize the next five stocks of the call today. Now, ResMed has been the target of shorters, which really is a lot to do with the fall in the share price here. Uh, Rudy has actually been buying more shares and does not subscribe to the view that these weight loss drugs, uh, which have become uh, popular and has also been a big theme over in the US, is going to drag down the need for ResMed's products like the CPAP machine and pretty much uh, the same conclusion from Claude and just saying that the weight loss benefits uh, if you have sleep apnea have been completely overblown. The shorters have moved up onto the register so he would wait for the stock price to flatten out a bit but it would be a buy at this point in time. Moving on to Australian ethical. So Rudy sees two major problems here. The lines are fairly blurred when it comes to ethical slash ESG investing. That's point one. Second point is, is that they do have very high fees, which he feels are going to be under pressure over the long term. So he wouldn't invest in this one. Uh, basically, Claude takes those points on board. He doesn't own it anymore. He has a hold. And he just makes the point that um, from a demographics point, point of view. Uh, the younger generation have in, put their money here and they're basically going with them over time because they have been reducing their fees. Looking at um, AMA, well currently it's actually suspended so as a turnaround situation this company probably needs to be recapitalized and they're being pinged by the ASX for not putting in their results. Neither of our guests, Rudy or Claude, would be looking at this one. It was recapitalized about 10 years ago, but it has too much uh, debt and basically no quality. So high risk at the very least. PWR Holdings. Uh, so we are looking here as those cooling machines in the automotive industry, which have gone into aerospace. Really interesting company, good quality, but probably for both of our guests, just the share price has moved too high at this point in time. So a hold from Claude and Rudy would just say, bide your time on that one. And then looking at Kodan, uh, 
Claude just makes the point they're moving away from, uh, I suppose, being a metal detector in Africa and uh, Claude's point that coups occasionally get in the way, but they are moving into digital communication. So he has a hold on that one. But for Rudy, it is a no on code and wouldn't fit into his style of management. So, gentlemen, thank you so much, Claude. Thank you so much, Rudy. Have we not figured out where we know each other from? Still haven't worked it out. (laughs) Any any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash callpicks or tweet us at osbiztv. But uh, stick around. The Pulse is next and uh, there's a lot more coming up on Osbiz this afternoon.